Welcome to the Negotia Group podcast. We are business brokers and registered business valuers. We help people sell and buy businesses throughout Queensland. We also value businesses for people. My name is Graham Long. I'm a director of Negotia Group. This new podcast is about selling and buying businesses and valuing businesses. Welcome to uh, this podcast uh, on leases and uh, today I'm again joined by Phil Chapman from Lease One and we're going to be talking about commercial rent terms like base rent, gross rent, what do they mean? Um, and then we're also going to be talking about a very important part of a lease which uh, I find uh, small business owners in particular are often vague with and that is um, how rent is calculated and the importance of looking at the formulas in the lease and the, and the timings and bits and pieces thereof. Um, and we'll also get uh, Phil to talk to us about security bonds and what they mean and how we go about getting those. So to kick it off, um, uh, Phil, um, I find most people generally know we'll talk about rent, um, but as a business broker and, a, and from a valuous point of view, what I'm looking at is, is what is the co- total cost uh, of this business being in, in, in the uh, business premises. And yes, we have terms like base rent and gross rent and net rent, but most people don't understand them. So your thoughts on uh, total occupancy costs and, and how it's calculated, uh, Phil? Yeah, thanks, Graham. Look, there can be mass confusion when it comes to exactly what I'm, what, uh, what do I include? What do I report? Um, what, what do I put into the contract when I'm talking about the business uh, being set up for sale? So I'll just cut it back to a few basics, three types of, of leases. There's called a gross lease, a semi-gross lease, and a net lease. I'll run you through them quickly. A gross lease means that when you get your rent invoice each month, it has one figure, and it might say $10,000 for rent. What you're actually saying there is people will think, well, that's my rent, I don't pay outgoings. In life, there's an old saying that death and taxes you'll never avoid. In retail leases, there's a saying, death, taxes, and outgoings you'll never avoid. So if you've got a, uh, a gross lease, you are paying the outgoings that are just bundled into one figure. Now, outgoings, just so, and we can spend a whole podcast on outgoings, they're the landlord's operating costs for the property. It may be the cleaning, the security. It may be just if it's a, if it's a, a single strata unit, it might be the body corporate fees. It might be their insurances, rates and taxes. Okay, and check your lease in, in respective state legislation because land tax can in some be recovered and cannot in some be recovered. Assure that those costs are passed on somewhere on the line. The fact that they're not itemised in a growth lease doesn't mean you don't pay them, but that's what you, the effect there. And I'll wrap this all up at the end because it'll it, towards the end because it'll show you the relevance to market value of, of rents. Next one's a semi-gross lease. Pretty much what that is is the same thing again. Your rent invoice will come through with one line, but you may receive throughout the year the rates notices as well. So it may be that you're paying the insurances and a couple of other costs, uh, management costs bundled into the gross rent component, but the recovery is for statutory charges, which may be your council rates. That's what's called a semi-gross lease. So when you're looking at that lease, you have to add in those other charges, which are the statutory charges I just uh, made an example of, to give you your total rent, gross rent for the year. The next one, which is probably the most common one, is called a net lease. What that means is when you receive your rent invoice, it will state uh, monthly rent charge or base rent, and then it'll have separate outgoings or operating expenses uh, so that that it's itemised out. In a shopping centre environment where you get a larger shopping centre, you may also have other charges such as promotional levy, 
Once again, that forms part of your gross rent when you add them all together. Uh, there will be other charges along the line there across each of these separately or, or, um, or, or in different formats is electricity. We don't include electricity and water charges into the gross lease figure because they are consumable. You're the one who turns the tap on or turns the power on. That's consumable to, consumable to you, not to the property. So when we're looking at a gross rent figure in a net lease, we add up the base rent, outgoings, and if there's a promotion levy charge, that's your gross rent. In a semi-gross lease, it's the charge you get each month plus the statutory recoveries. On a gross lease, it's just that. It's all bundled into one. Now, to let you understand where that sits when you're looking at, am I paying too much rent or am I paying the right rent? If a lease goes to a market valuation, say at say an option, etc., where a, a, a specialist retail value determines the rent, under the legislation, they'll determine the rent as gross rent, and then they will deduct the specific operating charges of that property, whether it be a gross lease, net lease, whatever, to come up with a base rent, and that's where they get the market rent from. So we always use, when we're going into uh, a gram, and I'll get a bit, a bit of a deeper dive later on with uh, some of the formulas in, in working out how real estate performs for a business, um, but we always use gross rent. That's um, very handy, uh, Phil. Now, there's one other question um, that we probably need to talk about. I think that's a really good, um, really good summary. But um, people who are looking around at uh, rentals uh, or rents and they'll run, run across these things like, you know, face rent and passing rent in terms of looking at leases. Yeah, that can really get confusing, particularly if people are, particularly when people are, are buying a business where the vendor is actually going to end up being the landlord. And it always becomes a tricky one here. There's, there's a couple of types of rent called face rent and effective rent. And this is where there may be, and, and if there's ever come across this situation, you need to then start having a bit of a deeper dive around the lease to find some ancillary deeds or documents whereby there's been some further commercial terms sitting outside the lease document hard. And what I mean by that is it may say, uh, all I did a deal last, uh, last week for a client, where the landlord want to preserve the value of their property to their bankers, so they renewed the lease at the current rent. However, there was a side deed entered into which said that at the first, uh, at the anniversary of the lease for the next 10 years, the lessee will receive one month rent free. So we have two rents now because the lessee has now got, uh, is only paying 11 months rent a year as an incentive, whereas the landlord's evidencing that their value of their property is, is, is what's on the lease. So the lease will state the face rent but the deed will show the effective rent. So that's where you, if this is, if there's a variance between when you're looking at a, a, a bit of a deep dive into the financials of the business, you say, well, hang on, the lease says 250000 a year. Well, I'm only paying $220,000 a year uh, last year. Why? Oh, well, we received an incentive. Okay, I want to see that deed. And then you have to have that conversation about what's face rent, what's effective rent. The big trap here is, unfortunately, is... A lot of deeds like that under a face and effective rent uh, deeds are not transferable or they're deliberately constructed not to be transferable to a new uh, assignee, new new uh, operator. So people get caught out when they don't understand that face and effective rent. And it is a, it is a bear trap and it's sometimes intentionally designed to maximise the value of a business 
as opposed to actually its, its, its actual obligations under the lease. Yeah, thanks for that, Phil. Um, the I think from um, from the information that Phil's provided us to date, um, it reinforces the need for small business owners to get in touch with people who are like Phil in, involved in the in the day to day dealing with rent. For a small business owner, we obviously a small business owner is an expert in what they do. I mean, I'm an expert in, in selling businesses and valuing businesses. Phil's an expert in uh, leases and lease terms. Um, another small business owner might be an expert in sort of mechanicals and cars or whatever it is. So we all have our, uh, our own expertise. And dealing with um, lease documents and contracts, the terminology and understanding what it means is, is, is critically important because it affects the value of your business and the saleability of your business. And as Phil has just alluded to, you know, there, there can be traps for young players. And this is why you should always invest in, shall I say, the experienced and streetwise people who deal with their specialist areas and be prepared to pay for them. You know, the information that can, uh, the information, skill and knowledge that uh, Phil has can literally save your bacon before you even get into the marketplace. Or in, in fact, if you're in a, in a, in a uh, lease arrangement, then you may need some changes to it before you move forward. The, the, the experience of the, what I call the street wisdom, the experience of uh, people in the industry cannot be underestimated in my view. So thanks for that, Phil. That was really helpful. Even, even I found that informative. Now, the other thing um, is, is I find that, uh, particularly in terms of, of valuing businesses and working out what their uh, the possible sale price is, is that um, folks haven't really gone through the lease and looked at the lease formulas and calculations that are to apply. You know, do they apply every three years? Do they apply every six months? Is there a 12-month scale? Um, there's no set lease per se in terms of how rent's calculated. Um, to, to assume that each, any lease has got a standard sort of rent calculation clause is a mistake. You will find uh, I've seen leases with three pages of rental calculations um, that are to apply in certain circumstances and situations. So in terms of formulas and, uh, and the traps there are and uh, you know, whether you should have fixed increases or CPIs, perhaps we can have uh, Phil give us some ideas on that. Yeah, thanks, Graham. And it can be a bit of a minefield there. Look, fortunately, legislation has uh, there's a fair bit of harmonisation around the different states and territories legislation so that when it comes to uh, the annual rent increases, they are now annual. You can only ever have your rent increased once in any one 12-month period. And that needs to be, uh, you know, you need to understand that. That's, that's a minimum lease standard out there. The other thing we've introduced over a long period of time is, is they can't introduce what's called ratchet clauses. And that, what that means is the landlord can't introduce a situation where the lease will be uh, CPI minimum 4%. They can't ratchet in an outcome that doesn't reflect um, an, an unknown quantum. And what I mean by that is you, you could have a rent increase that says, look, the rent can be increased by, to market at a market rent review to a maximum of 10%. That's fine. That's not a ratchet cause because it doesn't withhold the value going down. So you rest assured that they've been outlawed for some years now out of the different states and territories. But the rent reviews can vary. There are several types. There's a fixed percentage, for instance, might be a 3% or fixed percent annual rent review. It may be just straight CPI, the Consumer Price Index, for the particular quarter, um, and be conscious there too to 
ensure that you read the lease and understand which quarter it does apply to. That can be a trap. Or it can be what's called a combination. And combinations that are allowed uh, in, a, in, a, in a short form formula would be, say, CPI plus 1% is, is a formula that's allowed. So that uh, it, it's a known quantity, except it's just the value variables is the, is the consumer price index, which is an industry accepted form of, of inflation. Now, a lease may also have with it as well, uh, it may say that you know year year two is a fixed four percent increase, year five, uh, year three is a CPI. So it may vary throughout the term of the lease. The other one to be conscious of too is mid-term market rent reviews. These are a trap. Uh, well, they, they can work for you, can work against you, but they are a trap. And try to avoid them, or certainly understand exactly where the market is sitting. If you see one of those. You're purchasing a business within their lease. What that means is you might have a five-year lease and at year three, the rent is to be reviewed to market. Well, what that means is the an independent specialist retail value will value that rent. And if it goes up, it goes up, you're stuck with it. And if it goes down, it goes down, the landlord's stuck with it. So you need to understand what your risk is there. If the rent's coming in at a low ball rent, you think, gee, that's a really great rent, but they've, they've, they've the menu, they're trying to get to, or manufactured a, a mid-term market review means they know that they're going to get you get you into the business there, but they're going to get you with rent down the track. You might end up with a, a, a 10, 15, 20% increase, and there's nothing you can do about it if that determination comes to that level. So try and avoid those. Market rent reviews at, um, at, a, at a lease option, very effective and very powerful. Um, just on those, there are legislation now in all states and territories, bar WA and ACT, that now provide to the lessee the opportunity at a market, at, usually at the option, the renters, 90% of leases will, will be reviewed to market. They now have a further uh, time period, which is called early determination of market rent. And you really need to have a look at your lease and your um, retail shop lease legislation for your respective state and territory, because it's got specific time frames where the onus is on the lessee to seek an early determination of market rent. Very effective and very powerful, because it affords you as the lessee to have two chops at the landlord at getting the rental outcome that you're, you're, you're seeking. So I could spend a whole day talking about that. It is complex, but you just need to know and understand that if you've got a lease event such as a, uh, an expiry uh, and certainly an option make sure that you know your timelines and your critical path two years out and that way you'll be able to factor in allowing for um, uh, the, the early determination of market rent period so there's a few rental uh, annual rental uh, combinations there and they go from a fixed fixed increase CPI a combination which is CPI plus a percentage market rent review, and then there's what's called now an early determination of market rent. So it can be complex, Graham. Yeah, no, thanks for that, Phil. Um, um, I'm sure most of our listeners would not be aware of um, of the in-depth um, knowledge that uh, goes in and around the rent formulas and bits and pieces. And, of course, from my point of view as a business broker and valuer, um, the, um, the, the overall cost of uh, occupying a premises as a material, a direct material um, effect on the saleability of the business and also its business value. 
um, I can't um, emphasise enough in terms of um, small business owners in, with retail leases just how important it is um, that their rent is the item that will probably have the biggest impact on the saleability and the value of the business themselves. The other thing is is that um, when, when you're looking at a small business owner in a retail centre, you've also got to look at the capacity of the premises space you're leasing. For example, if you've got a little food shop or a retail shop, um, there's only so much stock and so much sales generation that you can get out of that premises physically. And if the rent is increasing at a higher rate than your actual ability to grow your sales, you're going to finish up in a situation where you know it's a, it's a it's a it's a downward trend, and your annual profit levels is going to be you know on a, on showing a downward trend, and the value of the business will will uh, will also reflect that. So so the physical capacity of the business, uh, the pulling power of neighbouring tenancies. Um, are all important physical aspects that need to be thought about when you're looking at rent as well. In addition, you know, foot traffic going past, access to your premises in terms of customers, but also importantly, access to the premises for supply and the timing when supply can be delivered um, and the storage capacity you've got if any arrangements are there. So, so, so rent in terms of formulas, um, Phil has covered with us very well. From my point of view as a broker and looking at value, I'm looking at the capacity of the premises to be able to reduce the sales revenue that is required um, and the capacity of that business to grow that sales revenue. And when a business premises reaches a capacity, then what's its growth going to be? It's going to be limited pretty much by the demographics of the area, maybe by neighbouring tenancies, maybe by shopping centre activities. But rest assured that there's a link between the cost of rent, the capability of the business premises to, to deliver sales, and the saleability and value of the business itself. Your thoughts, Phil? Oh, most definitely. Um, and look, there, there are some formulas there, Graham, if I can dive into those. Great. Just and a, a couple of simple ones that um, give you an idea of people go into these retail shop leases and they go, oh, the guy next door is paying this per square metre, I'm paying this per square metre. In my business and doing this 22 years, I'm not, I don't really want to understand what the rent per square metre is. It's a factor, but what that is, it's a rent per square metre is a measure of a landlord's success on their, their, their investment because they're investing in land and they want to measure how it performs for them. For a retailer, uh, and a small business to, to work out the land, how the land performs for their business. Most of them out there are thinking about how the business can perform for the land. And we've got to turn that mindset equation onto here. That's really simple. What we've got to concentrate on it, and these formulas have been out there forever, is called occupancy cost ratio and sales per square metre. So effectively what I'm saying is we need to understand what the gross rent, and we talked about gross rents earlier, what gross rent as a percentage is to your sales and that gives me as a percentage that gives me a ratio that I can benchmark to my industry specifics to give an example the large supermarkets will run at 1.75 to 2.25 um, you'll get fruit and veg should be running sort of that 6 to 9 news agencies are running sort of that 8 to 10 uh, pharmacies from a shop should be running sort of that 10 to 12 uh, takeaway food will run as high as 18% uh, fashion will run up into the 22s. Uh, high-end jewellery will run as high as 25%. So they're all different. 
because they've got different margins, they've got different units of sale, they've got different sales volumes. So occupancy cost ratio is, is, is important to benchmark how that land performs for that business. The other measure there too, Graham was talking about, is, is, is understanding what sales they need to generate to keep growing the business. And the greatest measure there is, is, is the sales per square meter. Again, you can benchmark those through your respective industry associations. And what you're looking for there is finding out, is there capacity for growth? For instance, if I go to a pharmacy, we do a lot of work with the pharmacy guild there, um, and I'll use them as an example because they have a lot of data, is to say if I see a pharmacy and their retail front of shop sales is up around 12, 12,500 a square metre, I'm looking for more space for because they are going to overtrade. Their sales will plateau and they'll flatline. Their expenses, as Graham rightly said before, their expenses will keep growing over time and their sales won't and they'll wonder why they're, not, they're, they're losing profit. They've actually outgrown the space. On the reverse side of that too, if I see a pharmacy under 7,500, I'm looking to take some space off them because I could take, I can reduce the footprint, I can reduce the rent, I can reduce the stock holding they've got there uh, and, and, and reinvent and reset the retail equation. So for a retailer, occupancy cost ratio and sales per square metre, you should know those inside out and backwards and be measuring those on a very regular basis. Just one thing I left out, Graham, with your occupancy cost ratio, there's a very simple way to go and benchmark yourself and let's go to the ATO Small Business uh, Benchmarks. Uh, it's all available on, on the Australian Tax Office website. Go to your, there's a whole list of businesses in there uh, from an A to Z of small business. Click on your category, it might be cafes and restaurants. Go in there and they'll give you a range of sales and they'll give you a range of occupancy costs ratios, which is the site, which is the rent to sales ratio. So all that data is available free of charge and readily accessible so there's no excuse why you can't measure how the real estate performs for the business not the other way around nice nice information phil and i think uh, most of our listeners will find that immensely valuable i know you've probably heard me wind the clock a lot uh, get people to know what they're doing there's much more sp- uh, specialized knowledge that you need in relation to retail leases than would first meet the eye um, the other thing that uh, often raises its question, or often raises, been raised with me, Phil, is, is the issue of security bonds. You know, are they paid in cash? How much should be paid? Uh, should there be a bond? Um, um, how, uh, can we have your thoughts on that one? Look, in most leases, there will be a couple of forms of security, um, and that could take a couple of forms. That could be in a bank guarantee, which may also be uh, as a bond, and there also can be what's called director's guarantees and personal guarantees. Now, certainly, that's uh, probably a bit more than what Graham was asking, so I'll just concentrate on the bank guarantee or security deposit. Um, majority of leases, the FDL industry norm is, is that the landlord will hold a bank guarantee, uh, which is, which is um, issued by one of the top four banks, big four banks in the country, and it will usually reflect three months' gross rent and that gross rent will be plus GST. So what they hold that for is, is, is as a guarantee towards the performance of meeting the obligations under the lease. If you fall short the rent and uh, you get behind on the rent, after you get a couple of months behind, they are entitled to walk into that bank with their blue docket, which is the bank guarantee. It's a, certific- it's a, it's a guarantee of certificate. They, they hand it over and the landlord gets paid their money. 
then they will ask you to replace it because it's an essential essential term release. But for the audience, for, for your audience here today, Graham, when purchasing or looking to purchase a business, look at that because it's another expense and outlay that you need to understand. Yes, it is. Yep. Yes, so it is. when you're looking to finance the business or whether you're, you're paying the capital, you'll also have to have you know, ready to be able to pay your first month's rent in advance plus also to be able to provide the bank guarantee or replacement bank guarantee before the lease will be assigned to you. That's exactly right. The other thing you, you mentioned on there too, which uh, I hadn't made a note of, but I think we should talk about, Phil, was uh, uh, director's guarantees uh, and maybe um, need to get yourself um, organised and structured uh, before you actually go into a lease. Oh, most, most definitely. And, and this, this is not... Uh, information that um, are advised that my office gives. We're not accountants and we're not lawyers for, for a very good reason. Um, we get we get to get away with things they don't uh, when we're negotiating with landlords. However, you need to be talking with a qualified CPA who understands retail business and a lawyer who understands retail business and structures and set yourself up on how you hold a lease. Are you going to hold it as a company, a partnership, an individual? Uh, is the company going to have a sole director? Is that director got any assets? So yep. you need to talk to someone, a specialist other than myself. Uh, that's not my. Th I will. I will guide you of what I can make a recommendation. But you need a specialist there because they are the person who's looking after your structure, your entities, and 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 obviously setting up with your asset security around the rest of your life and your financial your financial well being. But uh, if you're going to give a director's or personal guarantee, be very conscious of how you hold a lease. Um, I've got clients in, in uh, who've got finance, who've got franchise uh, businesses, large franchise businesses around the country, and they have they have a separate company for each landlord group, might be Westfield or Lendlease or, or, or QIC, uh, that they that they just hold those leases in that, that are pertinent to those to those sites. The director for the for those for the company of those uh, is is set up in such a way that uh, they have no assets. So at any one time, if they have a blue with one of the major landlords, they can pretty much walk in the door and tip over those leases. Let's tip over the company. So that's an extreme example, but I just want people to understand that it's vital that when they're looking to buy a business, they look at this. The, you may buy the business under one entity, but hold the lease under a separate one so that you may actually have an asset shift there. Again, someone other than myself needs to provide that advice, and um, you know I trust that uh, a good broker such as Graham would be saying, hey, these are the questions I want to ask you if you're buying this business. How do you want to hold this? How do you want to hold this? You need to go and get some advice on it. Yep, we certainly do. One of the things I do very early in the process when I'm dealing with a genuine buyer is to make sure that they've got um, an expert in terms of uh, uh, accounting uh, knowledge and qualifications and also um, the same for, for legal people. I, I think the, the summary I would give there as a, as a broker and evaluer is that we've been sharing some fairly detailed um, streetwise knowledge uh, on your experience and, and a bit from mine through these episodes. And it reinforces the point that I often make to small business owners is get yourself surrounded by experts in their particular fields. You cannot hope to have full knowledge in terms of dealing with uh, retail leases. You're not an expert in, in the legal matters of a lease. You're not an expert in terms of financial matters or, sorry, accounting matters. So these are people that you need to bring onto your side. Now, this is important. Just because um, I have a shingle out the front of my office that says I'm a business broker 
doesn't mean to say I'm an expert at a particular operation or whatever. So again, with all professionals, um, they can't possibly know all the law or all the accounting information. Um, there are experts out there who deal in their particular field uh, and who are capable in their particular knowledge and skill level. So it's finding the professional who is familiar with with the actual industry you're in, with the lease you're in, and uh, with how you're going to set yourself up in terms of accounting and superannuation, etc. Um, it's not just a matter of going and seeing anyone who's branded um, accountant or solicitor or business broker or lease person. The thing that I would mention to people and reinforce is get to know the person behind the shingle. Get to know the capabilities of the person behind the shingle. Can this person deliver to you what you're asking for and spend time doing that and form good associations with them and it'll stand you in good stead uh, over many years in business. This, at this time, Phil, I think I'll uh, wind up this episode um, and we'll probably invite you back for the next episode. But uh, in this episode, I think there's been immense value imparted to the listeners uh, about leases, their terms, um, how rents are calculated, and also in terms of um, guarantees for security and, uh, and making sure that they take appropriate action to minimise the risk to themselves personally. So on behalf of the listeners, I thank you for that. Um, and uh, on our next episode, uh, listeners will uh, talk about um, the relevant uh, power of the parties between landlords and tenants, um, the competition between landlords and tenants for profit and revenues. We'll also look at some of the limitations in leases like um, trading hours, permitted uh, uses and those sort of things. But for now, um, we'll bid you adieu and uh, catch you with the next episode. So, Phil, um, you'll be sparing uh, lots of experience uh, with our listeners uh, in these episodes. Um, how can people reach out and, and make contact with you? Oh, thanks, Graham. It'll be a pleasure. Look, the easiest way, we've, we've set up pretty simply for them. If they go to our website, that's www.lease1.com.au. Plenty of free resources and tools there for, for all retailers. But also, too, if they just click on, uh, there's, there's a couple of sections in there where you can click in for to get a strategy call with myself. It goes straight into your diary, goes straight into my diary, and it books it in for us, and we can have a free, no-obligation chat. And I'm sure because of uh, the referral here from, from Graham at Negotia, I'll have a few uh, freebies for them as well. But it's as simple as that. Click in there, and you'll, you'll, be, you'll book a phone call straight into my diary. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Graham. Before I go, if you want more information on Negotia Group, Business sellers should head to our website, negotia.com.au. That's N-E-G-O-T-I-A dot com.au. If you're a business buyer, head to our website, sellingbusinesses.online. If you're looking for a business valuation, head for our website, businessvaluers.online. These sites we have built to help you in selling, buying and valuing businesses. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. This helps other people find us. It will also let you know when future episodes become available. My name is Graham Long and you can reach me on 0428 649791. That's 0428 649791 or you can email me at graham at negotia.com.au. This podcast has been recorded and produced at Brisbane Podcasting Centre. Thank you for listening. Thank you.